Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to have a conversation about something that is certainly important to all of us in every stage of life, from the newborn child throughout all of childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, middle age, and right through to those who are at the very end stages of life, intimacy. One definition of intimacy that might cover all stages of life could be a physical and emotional connection between two people. An intimate relationship is often defined as an interpersonal relationship that involves physical or emotional intimacy. It's not necessarily sexual in content, but maybe. And research shows that physical and emotional connection is just as much a basic need as is food and shelter. We humans have a general desire to belong and to love, which is usually fulfilled in an intimate relationship. Intimate relationships provide a social network for people that provide strong emotional attachment and fulfill our needs to care for and to be cared for. Because intimacy is so very, very important, it's also very, very scary. Just this thing we all long for, closeness and connection, feeling seen and accepted at a core level from another human being is just the thing we most often avoid. Now, animals don't seem to have this problem. They seem to seek and enjoy intimacy whenever it's available. But we, on the other hand, complicate things, often by letting our fears of rejection overcloud and steer our actions. The tragedy is that when intimacy is possible and available, we may avoid it in the service of avoiding possible pain of rejection. According to ACT, this bizarre behavior is the product of human languaging. Today we're going to have a discussion about how you could help yourself improve your own intimacy by using a therapeutic approach that is a sister therapy to ACT called FAP, or Functional Analytic Psychotherapy. You're about to meet an expert and a co-founder of this sister therapy to ACT, Dr. Mavis Tai. Mavis is a clinical psychologist in independent practice and the director of the FAP Specialty Clinic at the University of Washington. 
She's the co-author of four books and over 50 publications. She's presented master clinician sessions at the Association for Behavior and Cognitive Therapy and has led numerous workshops nationally and internationally. Her latest book, written with uh, Robert Kohlenberg and co-authors, is entitled Functional Analytic Psychotherapy, Distinctive Features. Now, you can read more about uh, Mavis and about this book by clicking on uh, the link on this week's episode of Act Taking Hurt to Hope. You can also go to her website called fabtherapy.com and contact uh, uh, them about being included in a something called Intimacy Now Project, which is a public service project where intimate skills are taught for the general public. Remember that ACT has three parts. Opening up to the reality of this moment, that is, the physical sensations and thoughts that are moving through you, which is different from what your thoughts are actually saying about this reality. The second part is about becoming aware of the nature of thoughts and sensations that occur within me, but they are not me. And thirdly, moving in valued directions, which means moving your feet in a direction that is important and meaningful to you. I want to especially welcome my friend Mavis. Thank you, Joanne. It's a pleasure to be here. Mavis, uh, intimacy is a very complicated area. And as I said, it's people are both very longing and very scared of it. So what, what got you interested in this area? Well, Joanne, I was a really shy child. And as a racial minority growing up in schools with mostly Caucasian kids, I often felt disconnected and excluded. But as I developed my intimacy skills as a young adult, my life was just significantly enriched. Mm -hmm. And as a clinician, when I focused on increasing my clients' intimacy skills, we created deep and meaningful bonds. And as they practiced these skills with others, their lives were transformed. Okay, so could you explain what you mean by intimacy skills? Intimacy skills involve being able to just really show more of who we are to other people, to be vulnerable so that we can let other people in. Mm-hmm. And do you have some examples about what, you know, what, what kind of problems with intimacy skills or lack of skills, what, what would that look like? So problems with intimacy are common in all relationships, romantic and non-romantic, and they involve guarding one's true self, which in turn can lead to interpersonal distress. So intimacy problems, Joanne, can take many different forms, and they may include feelings and thoughts of unworthiness that lead to avoidance of closeness. They involve different ways of hiding one's true feelings, and that can be always cracking jokes or controlling conversations by talking too much or too little, or angry, aggressive behaviors that push people away. It's important to note that the amount of disclosure called for 
depends on the nature of each relationship. And I'm not suggesting that one be an open book all the time, but everybody can probably be more open than they currently are in almost every relationship. And so why are people not open? I think to protect themselves mm-hmm. from fear of being hurt, from rejection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mavis, how common, how common are problems with intimacy? Well, Joanne, a way to look at intimacy problems is to consider statistics that indicate loneliness is actually an epidemic. Mm-hmm. So surveys all over the world show that 25% of youth mm-hmm. experience loneliness, that 35% of people over 55 experience chronic loneliness, and mm-hmm. that half of all people think that all of us are getting lonelier in general. Mm-hmm. Feeling alone is linked to physical and mental ill health. So it's it's really a public health issue. Maybe it's, it, it, you know, this reminds me, you know, you know, I live in Sweden and uh, during the, uh, when Sweden went from a very poor country to a richer country, uh, one of the public policies or a definition of life quality was that everyone should live in their own apartment to have their own living space. Mm-hmm. You know, and this was not true before. People lived more collectively before. And, uh, and this, and so everyone, every old person got their very own place, apartment to live and, and so on. And now, uh, because exactly what you're saying that, uh, it, it seems to be the number one problem among the elderly, uh, that of being lonely. So now the trend has gone back to collective living. That's so interesting, Joanne. Yeah, I, I can see how having one's individual apartment may not be all that it's cracked up to be. Yeah. But, yeah. So do you think this is a modern problem? I think it's it's definitely more of a modern issue as we become more and more independent and self-sufficient. Hmm. It's, less of a, it's less of a problem in third world countries where people congregate in communities. Yeah, because we are flock animals and liked like to be together right i also saw that some uh in the there's been studies on that if if uh, the elderly don't have physical contact that they actually become uh sort of going to uh hibernation uh, with physical contact is definitely really important to one's physical and emotional health so tell us, uh, Mavis, you are one of the co-founders of Functional Analytic Psychotherapy, what we call FAP. Um, how does FAP approach these problems of intimacy? Joanne, FAP is an interpersonally oriented psychotherapy that focuses on how a client's daily life problems actually arise in session with mm-hmm. the therapist. Mm-hmm. So FAP therapists harness the transformative power of interpersonal connection to co-create intense and unforgettable relationships to reflect what's special and precious about our clients by Mm -hmm. engaging in awareness, courage, therapeutic love, and behaviorism as we model taking risks and speaking our truths compassionately. We challenge our clients to be more vulnerable and authentic and to bring forth their best selves. You know, I I know that Mavis uh, that you are a very very popular therapist because you 
uh, you're known for being being able to do just that. So I wonder if you could uh, do this with our radio listeners and me and give an example of how you actually would work. One exercise that I sometimes do with people in the first session because it really helps my clients take an in-depth look at themselves and to tap into deeper aspects of themselves is the non-dominant hand exercise. Mm -hmm. So people who feel connection, Joanne, allow themselves to be deeply and vulnerably seen. And that's what this exercise allows you to do. So would you be willing to practice vulnerability with me by engaging in this exercise? Sure. So what, what it involves is taking out a sheet of paper and writing with your non-dominant hand. So if you're right-handed, it means writing with your left hand. Mm-hmm. And what this does is it, sh- it short-circuits your usual ability to write in a really facile way and short-circuits your ability to think in your normal adult ways. And it taps into very primal, childlike feelings since you are writing with your non-dominant hand. So what I'm going to ask is for you to jot down the first words that come to mind in response to some of my stem sentences. So this is just going to be between you and yourself. I'm talking both to you, Joanne, and to the listeners. Mm -hmm. You don't have to reveal anything to anybody that you don't want to. I am am going to ask you to share a couple of things that you're willing to share with me after we're done. Okay. So, so don't think about this a lot. The first thing that cops that pops into your mind, and try to go as deep as you can. Mm-hmm. So I long for. I'm scared. Either I'm scared of, or I'm scared that. I'm struggling with. I dream of. Let me know if you want me to slow down. I'm yeah, it's a little, me a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm just aware of being on the radio and not wanting dead space. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to do the exercise. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to write a little faster, okay. Joanne. Okay. So the last one was I dream of. I pretend that whatever comes to mind about I pretend that and then it's hard for me to talk about it's hard for me to talk about And one final one, Joanne. Mm-hmm. If I had the courage, I would. No play big here. If you had the courage, you would. Mm-hmm. So what was what was this like for you? What came up for you? 
I thought it was pretty easy to do because it's when you do it with your left hand, I think it, or I'm right-handed, so uh, it it seems to be more spontaneous and easier to. I don't think about it too much. It was easy for you to do, but it may be really hard for some of your listeners to do. Some people feel like they can't write at all with their non-dominant hand. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's true. And then then for some people, really emotional stuff comes up for them. Oh, I think it is very emotional, but I think it seems to be a little less, um, a little more spontaneous with that hand. Because you're not used to writing with it. Well, so you're you're not thinking so much. You're not thinking so much. Yeah, most people actually feel pretty vulnerable doing this. And then when they're asked to share what they feel comfortable sharing, it's even harder. And so it's it's really important to know that you don't have to share what you want to hold really close to your heart. And at the same time, moving outside of your comfort zone, that's going to be one of the themes of our show today is the importance of moving outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. in terms of connecting with other people. Mm-hmm. So if you push yourself to share a little more than you're comfortable sharing, that's going to lead to an increased sense of closeness. So how would you feel about sharing something with me that you wrote down with your non-dominant hand? Let's see if I can read it. <laughs> um, I think I wrote, for example, that I long for intimacy uh, and I'm afraid of being revealed and what what is it that you're afraid of being revealed? That um, that I'm not as open as I uh, probably pretend to be. So one thing that happens in FAP is when a client longs for something, they can start engaging in whatever it is that they long for, right in the moment with me. Mm-hmm. Because whatever it is that you want, if you can create it in the moment, that empowers you to create it elsewhere with other people. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is you know, you, you're saying to me you long for intimacy and you're creating a really intimate conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Just, just in this moment, you're telling me not only are you longing for intimacy, but you are not as open as you sometimes pretend to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that's true for me, too, Mm -hmm. that I may appear to be more open than I actually am. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice to be able to admit that to each other because we're both really good at connecting. (laughs) Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and that, and that, in a way, is a actually fooling people because you can be very skilled uh, at at looking. Like you're connected, but you could actually be hiding out really well. Right. And I, I want to make one more point before we move on, and that has to do with the stem sentence. If I had the courage, mm-hmm. I would. So you know how in ACT you talk about the importance of moving towards values, and it doesn't matter what you're feeling. And so people think that they need the courage to do something that they really want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think what's more important is to figure out how to get yourself to do what you want 
what mm-hmm. it is that you think you would do if you had the courage. Mm-hmm. You know, get yourself the support mm-hmm. that you need to do what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you say you would do if you had the courage? I said that I would uh, uh, tell people that I was pretending. And so you did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You I, just did that, yeah. I do like that about FAP that you actually um, practiced it because I think sometimes uh, earlier we would say that what in you know this type of therapy that we do that we would say that what was going on in the therapy room was sort of not real that the the real problems were outside and uh, and I think that what, what's nice uh, what I have learned from FAP is that of course what you do with your you know, with a therapist, of course, is real, and it's you're practicing reality. It's it's a very real relationship, definitely, Joanne. So, um, Mavis, do you have an, an example of an exercise that uh, you might use with people? So. Wh- One study that we're doing at the University of Washington is an interpersonal mindfulness study. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that by engaging in a really brief interpersonal mindfulness, it really helped people with their relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I can do a very brief version of that for your listeners. It's important that they not be driving, though, Mm -hmm. that, that they be able to just sit and close their eyes and I really contemplate what it is that I have to say. Mm -hmm. So I'm also aware of our time. Mm -hmm. How much? How much time do I have for this meditation? Uh, yeah, about four minutes. About four minutes. Okay, and will you please go through this with me? Just Mm kind of close your eyes and feel your breath. Just really let your breath breathe you. Feel the rise and fall of your inhale and exhale. And consider how often you stay in your comfort zone when you relate to other people. This comfort zone is normal and it varies depending on your relationship style and who you're relating to. However, it's often possible to improve relationships by stepping a bit out of your comfort zone and becoming slightly more open with another person by just making small changes in the degree to which you reveal thoughts and feelings. It takes a certain degree of risk and courage to take even a small step outside of your comfort zone when talking to someone else. So as you consider your comfort zone, contemplate how you live your moments Who do you care about? Or perhaps, who do you love? And how deeply? Let yourself experience the sensation of opening your heart so that you can offer and receive even more when the opportunity is present. Even right now, and in every moment, you're either closing or opening. So try breathing with an open heart, awakening to what is right now, just as you are, 
in this moment, see if you can allow yourself to feel alive, radiant, and free. What you do can ripple outward and affect others. Your posture and breath can radiate caring or even love. Your words can inspire others. Your actions can open hearts and minds. At every moment, you can choose to open and give fully, or you can choose to wait. You can accept both of these judgments, both of these options without judgment. Now, just focus on a person that you would like to get closer to. Family member, friend, roommate, coworker, romantic partner. See if you can expand your comfort zone and move in the direction of expressing a bit more of your thoughts, appreciations, and our positive feelings to that person. Just a little bit more than you have up to this point. Think specifically of what you might say to that person if you were to make the slight shift. Maybe you could tell them how you feel when you interact with them. Might say something about what you appreciate that they've done or how something about how they treat you. For some people, it might be saying something like, I like spending time with you. I like talking to you. I feel happy when I'm with you. For others, a baby step might be at the other end of the continuum, such as, I love you. The idea is to think about what a baby step outside the comfort zone would be for you. And just really see yourself taking this step. Visualize it clearly. Use all your five senses. And then just relax, be aware of your body. And feel what it's like to be in this moment. And just capture in your visualization what it was like to engage in that baby step beyond your comfort zone with this person that you chose. And accept this experience that we just went through as neither good or bad. It just was. How was that for you, Joanne? Oh, it was a lovely exercise. Thank you very much, Mavis. It was. Uh, you have such compassion in your voice, so you create a room for um, to be able to feel relaxed and actually thinking about getting out of your comfort zone. I don't know if it's appropriate to ask you what came up for you. You're, you're welcome to say. We don't have time. Let's move on. <laughs> well, I think I think for me it was, uh, you know, around the same issue of, of daring to uh, maybe uh, in this relationship. I'm thinking about daring to uh, actually reveal more and in, in the service of of. Um, feeling a, a more authentic and less pretending relationship. I really respect your courage, Joanne. Um, Mavis, we're getting towards the end of the program. Uh, and I think this issue of intimacy is incredibly important to people of all ages who might be listening and it could be people uh, who are having problems themselves or or um, or maybe working with people who, who are having problems. What advice could you give our listeners 
uh, for people who are having intimacy problems? I think the most important theme of our program today is this idea of taking baby steps outside of your comfort zone in letting yourself be known and in seeking to know others, to dare to be vulnerable and to take risks in showing yourself and also to invite others to be seen by you and to be compassionate and kind to yourselves and to others to really be true to yourself in the moment and to be non-judgmental and accepting of whatever comes up. Thank you very much, Mavis, and thank you for being on the program today. I think that was um, wonderful advice, uh, probably that any person of any age c- could take to their heart and dare to do and I encourage anyone who would like to be part of Mavis project for the general public to click on that website that I mentioned and you can find that on on this week's episode so you have been listening to Dr. Mavis Tai who is a clinical psychologist uh, in independent practice and the director of FAP specialty clinic at the University of Washington, and that's in Washington State. Uh, She's the co-author of four books and over 50 publications. She's presented in master's clinician sessions at the Association for Behavior and Cognitive Therapy and has led numerous workshops nationally and internationally. If you would like to look at her latest book, which she's written together uh, with Robert Kohlenberg and co-authors called Functional Analytic Psychotherapy distinct, Distinctive Features, you can click on the book's link along with Mavis' name on this week's program of ACT, Taking Her to Hope. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.